Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum, from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 7, Episode 3, and I am chatting with Charlotte Sterling-Reed, the baby and child nutritionist, also known in our house as the Queen of Weaning. Charlotte gives parents so much confidence in feeding their children, from weaning, fussy eating. Charlotte works with brands, celebrities, parents to share positive, evidence-based advice on giving children a healthy start in life. And I have to say, she has very much done that with me just by following her blog, her online content, her Instagram, her work with Joe Wicks. If you follow him, you'll know that Charlotte has helped him to write Wean in 15, Joe's new book, which is out now. She's really given me so much confidence weaning Amaldine and I think we've got off to a really great start so it's such an honour to have her join me on the podcast today. So during this podcast we have covered a lot, we've answered all of your questions that you sent in and I'm sure there'll be more questions, there always are and you'll most likely be able to find the answer on her blog and on her Instagram so I'll link those in in the show notes. So without further delay I will share with you our chat. Let's jump straight in. So I am here, of course, with the queen of weaning, um, more formally known, the baby and child nutritionist, and your mum to a little boy already, Rafi, who is just adorable. Oh, thank Absolutely you very much. adorable. And pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> and pregnant with your second child. So yes. Yeah, 30 weeks at the moment. Oh, so goodness. So how are you feeling? How are you doing in lockdown? This must be a really tricky time being pregnant and in lockdown with a toddler. Yeah, to be honest, it's really hard. And also my husband and I both are very, very busy in our careers right now. So we're sort of at a a time where we just can't really put a pause button on it. So it is it's been a bit of a juggle. Um, And I've been really unfortunate in this pregnancy. I've had so many different symptoms. And I hate moaning about it. But my last pregnancy with Rafi was just so smooth, comparatively. This one has just been trouble after trouble. So um, yeah, it's, it's not been easy. But we are managing. I think it's just that juggle. It's just setting that routine and saying, right, this is what we're doing at this time. This is what's happening at this time. Um, and and working it out like that I think as much as possible Mm. so you mentioned that it's been a little bit different this pregnancy to Mm. being pregnant with Rafi Um, do do you know if it's a boy or a girl or we do we do know we haven't really announced it though no you don't have to (laughs) we do know but we haven't really told many people so we're sort of keeping under wraps but yeah we know if it's a boy or girl (laughs) oh (laughs) I'm not gonna 
I didn't want to find out, but then I thought I just I kind of wanted Rafi to know so that he we could prepare him for are you having a little brother or are you having a little sister? And I felt like it might help him to bond with it a little bit more so that we could talk about, you know, he or she. So we did find out mainly for him, um, but then we tried tried to keep it a surprise to as many people as we can, really. Absolutely, which is lovely. And how is he how is he dealing with you being pregnant? Is he excited? Yeah, I mean, he's very aware of it. He keeps saying to me at the moment, Mummy, you're the only one with a bump. You must lie down. Oh. <laughs> but I think he... I, it's so hard to tell how much they get there's sometimes when I'll try and speak to him about it and he just will intentionally not listen mm-hmm. and I clearly know he doesn't want to hear about it right now um, but then other times you know I'll go in there and we'll have like full conversations with the bump it's up and down and I just kind of let him lead that yeah. rather than forcing it upon him yeah absolutely oh my gosh that's so cute so cute <laughs> okay well let's um let's get into the topic of weaning so obviously you've been through it yourself with Rafi how old is he now he's three in a couple of weeks so yeah he's he's well sort of past the weaning age but um I have to say I loved it I loved it I felt like I learned so much myself from it as a health professional who's constantly talked about this topic doing it myself was a whole different kettle of fish so I feel like I really learned from it and I we both enjoyed it and I mean the boy loves his food so who knows what's (laughs) gonna happen next time around (laughs) um are there still times when you get frustrated or Rafi gets frustrated even though you know you're well past weaning but food likes dislikes and does that still happen absolutely absolutely there's there's so you know I I try and stress this in my posts and what I say you know feeding kids it's not it's not black or white. It's all of the colours in between. You know, there's so many occasions where I'll make this delicious meal for Raph and I'll put it down and he just isn't interested. Mm. And there's always, you know, there's a number of reasons. Maybe he just doesn't feel like that today. Maybe he just ate too much earlier. Maybe, you know, grandma's been giving him extra pears, you know, which happens a lot. Uh, But, you know, so many different reasons why he just doesn't fancy that right now. And so, yes, I get frustrated and I think, oh God, it's a really good dinner I wish he'd eat it because otherwise he's going to be a bit hungry later and you know but you know I try as much as I can to listen to my own advice and just sit back and realize that he's his own individual little person Mm -hmm. and his appetite is going to be individual too so I I don't I try and just let him guide me with everything as much as possible Mm. I mean you have been totally our guide in Amandine my daughter she is how old is she now she's 20 months um and yeah like literally you have been our guide so firstly thank you so 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 much (laughs) I hope it's helped I love you know that genuinely is what I want to do is give parents confidence I feel like a lot of parents go into weaning and they go where do I even start what should I do how do I get my baby on the right track and for me it's just that little confidence so hopefully I I love that thank you for saying that no well it's my pleasure I mean I was terrified I even left it until Amandine was seven months because I was just really nervous about it I didn't know where to start this was before I'd found you I didn't know where to start I didn't know what I was doing we were out in France at the time and I found myself making all of these excuses like before we left I was like Mm -hmm. no I'm gonna we're gonna go on holiday I'm not gonna worry about it and then she she was Chloe she was showing clear signs yeah, that she yeah, was yeah. ready and then when we got home I was like oh god I'm gonna have to do this now <laughs> no, and, and it can be a really scary it time it does seem daunting and that's you know I think there's a lot of sort of 
if you read things online, there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of mm. untruths. And I think that really doesn't help because parents are just going, I just want clear and kind of accurate advice. But also you do have to take a flexible approach. Um, and sometimes you read things online, it's really stringent and other things are really vague. And mm. I just, I, it's a minefield for parents. So honestly, my aim in my career is if I can do anything, it is just to give parents that initial confidence with how to start weaning their babies. And most of the time, once you give them that little bit, they can roll with it the rest of it. And yes, there might be things that come up here and there, but giving them that confidence is just everything and I, I it's my aim really it is <laughs> well you've succeeded you've nailed yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. okay so we got a lot of questions from the question box that I put out on Instagram so I want to get to those but perhaps first um you could give maybe an overview or perhaps your top five tips for weaning um uh talk a little bit about baby led weaning versus purees because I know that that's a that was one thing when I first started, I was like, oh, should I be picking? Should I not? And you shared yeah. that brilliant post yesterday, which was so great because we didn't yeah. pick. We did let Amandine choose, essentially, yeah. and it was perfect for her. Completely. I mean, with the baby led versus purees while we're on it, I mean, I like to think about baby led as lead letting baby lead you you know mm. I, I love the concept of letting baby be the guide in their weaning journey it's everything I stand for like I said with my son you know I still let him lead me if he doesn't want his food at mealtimes I don't force him he he is in charge of his own appetite and what he actually eats um and for me baby led weaning should be about that letting your baby guide you so that's whether you decide to offer him some him or her some food on a spoon that's whether you decide to offer them finger foods, a mixture of both. You Baby can still lead that journey. You know, I think if you look online, you'll see that baby led weaning, we t normally talk about where we give baby pieces of food and we just allow them to sort of feed themselves they feed to appetite and they stop when they don't want any more and that's all absolutely fine but there's nothing wrong with including some spoons in there as well and um, online you'll be told oh gosh if you give them a spoon or if you offer them puree you'll confuse them and they're more likely to choke and and it's just not true and it's not mm. accurate and it's and for me I just think why are we scaring parents why are we not just saying do you know what Go with what feels normal. If you're worried about um, choking, then then yes, offer a few more purees until you get your confidence up a little bit. Um, but finger foods are important. So combine the two and just let your baby be the one who tells you, do you know what? I prefer finger foods today or today I'm grabbing that spoon and I'm going to start feeding myself with it, you know. Mm. And just whilst we're on choking, we mentioned it, we won't go into it now, but you've done some brilliant, brilliant posts. So if anyone's listening right now, wondering what the difference is between just figuring it out and choking, you've done some fab posts. So go to Charlotte's Instagram and oh, they're on there. Yeah. Um, so what are your, t your top five tips for weaning and starting weaning? Oh, good question. I love this on the spot. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I love it. I love it. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> So my first one is always going to probably be set as some kind of routine. So when you start introducing baby to those meal times, it's really good to try and offer them at similar times each day. If a baby doesn't know when to expect food coming and it's quite sporadic, um, I've often found that parents will say to me, oh, they just they just refuse it. They're just not interested because babies like structure. 
and they like routine. And so once we're starting to introduce those foods, it's really good to gradually build on that kind of breakfast, lunch and dinner style routine as much as you can. It doesn't have to be at exactly nine o'clock in the morning or exactly 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, But just having a structure to the day can really help babies to accept that food. So that would be my first. My second would be think about variety. You know, we we often can get stuck. Like I still have lots of parents write to me and say, oh, I gave my baby baby rice for the first couple of weeks. But actually what we know from research is that variety is really key. The more variety you give from a young age, the more variety your little ones eat to eat when they're older. And also often parents will come to me and say, oh, I've heard that you shouldn't really give much spinach. And oh, should I be giving whole grains? And, and again, if you come back to variety, then none of those questions really matter. Because mm-hmm. if you're giving your to want a variety and little bits of all of these different things, um, then you're not going to be giving them excess or too little. So it always comes back to variety. Um, number three, I would say eat, be, be the role model. If you want your little one to be a good foodie and to eat well, they will so much so learn from you. So, uh, so you know, try and eat similar foods to them at similar times. Um, bring them to the table with your family and just kind of enjoy those that mealtime moment together. I have to say one of the main things I would say that families um, will come to me and say, oh, my little one's not eating. And what, every time I'll say, do you eat with them? And 99% of the time, they'll say no. And that is such an important factor. If they're not seeing you eating, they won't necessarily learn those skills around biting, chewing and swallowing. So those are my three top tips. Did you say you wanted five? (laughs) Three is good. But if you've got two more, then throw them out there. (laughs) The other thing I would say is, um, you know, when it's in terms of weaning, I would definitely say try and it's so much easier said than done, but try and relax with it. Mm. The more that you can have fun and the more that you can show your little one that fun time during the meal, the more they want to be part of it. So if you think about it, if you're plopping baby down in the high chair and they're sitting there for five minutes while you're making food and then you're sort of stressfully putting it down and thinking, oh, please eat this, please eat this. All of that is creating quite a tense environment. Whereas what you want your baby to associate mealtimes with is this kind of calm and relaxed. So try as much as possible to have that mealtime really nice and chilled. It's one of the things that actually I love that Joe Wicks, who I worked with on Weaning 15 shows, he, he from the very beginning, he showed this really relaxed environment that he got Indy into. And I think that can make all the difference in the world. Um, so I think those are the kind of main ones. I'm just trying to think mm. of a fifth, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure um, it'll all come out in the rest I of the podcast <laughs> anyway. I mean, we're, we're certainly going through a stage with Amaldine at the moment with the minute she sees me preparing food she gets so excited mm. and almost overwhelmed mm. with hunger that she's at my feet being like mama 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 yum 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 and I'm like whoa okay yeah. whoo calm down and then so I try and distract her a little bit but then I feel like she's going into having her meals so worked up and so stressed so it's really yeah. tricky it's so hard finding a balance. I completely agree with you. And honestly, you know, that's one of the most stressful times is having a baby at your foot while you're trying to cook. And they're yeah. saying, want the food? And you're saying, 
but I'm making it for you. Like, <laughs> I know, that's what I'm doing right now. And the trouble is they're not rational, so they don't understand. The only thing I would say is something that I sometimes do with my son, which does help to take that pressure off, is either give him something. At the moment, I know he's a little bit older, but at the moment we um, he, he sits in the, his, his chair and we have a little bit of Play-Doh and he has Play-Doh time with oh, a nice. storybook on before the meal. So it just helps to calm him and everything down. It gets him engaged. Uh, but I totally appreciate it. It doesn't always happen. The breakfast is is so annoying for us because that's when he's always, you know, most hungry. Um, if you can, giving a little part of the meal. So let's say you were making carrot cake porridge a little grating of carrot um, and just kind of pop that on the side for him, which is part of the meal. So it's not like you're giving him an alternative or something different. It's part of what he's going to be having, but hopefully just kind of staggers that process a little bit. Uh, but other than that, distraction, distraction, distraction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've started to try and distract her with drawing and colouring in, but she gets so mm-hmm. frustrated with that as well. I have yeah. no idea what's going on there. Yeah, no, I said Rafi does as well. He really? He's not an art or painting he does it for a little bit and then you just come around and he's just painted his hands and he's bored <laughs> and then you've got a mess everywhere to clear up but the, the, the play-doh's really been working for us actually he really loves making pancakes so he'll make pancakes and he'll put them on a baking tray and go and take them to the kitchen but that's a recent thing you know it's mm. other than that as I say it's just finding ways of just getting them distracted so that you can cook in peace which <laughs> doesn't okay so let's get going with these questions so first of all starting weaning is five months too early when they're showing when their daughter is showing the signs good question so it depends what signs we're talking about in the uk we say that baby should be weaned at around six months of age um now that is obviously a little bit vague because parents ask me all the time, oh, is that, you know, is that 24 weeks or is that six months on the dot? The, the, the trouble is, is that not all babies are going to reach those milestones exactly the same day. So it's not like you get your six month birthday and tick, but boom, you know, baby's ready. Um, what I would say is, yes, you do want to make sure those signs are in place. So those signs are that baby can sit up, hold their head and neck steady that they can see food, that they can pick it up and put it in their mouth all by themselves. And also the um, sort of uh, fading of the tongue thrust reflex. Um, So baby can swallow more food than they actually push back out with their tongue. Those are the three signs of readiness. We want to look for those happening on multiple occasions and as close to six months as possible. If you feel like you're seeing all those signs and baby is actually able to sit up on their own um, before five months of age and, you know, other things like an interest in your food and seemingly, you know, wanting to to get involved in those mealtimes, it might be that your little one is ready before. Um, If it was at five months, I'd be saying, see if you can give your baby a little bit extra milk and, and kind of get it just a couple of weeks later or chat with your health visitor um, or if you've got a pediatrician or GP um, just to make sure that there is no reason why you shouldn't start a little bit earlier so I would definitely be saying that but you know from five and a half months I definitely be saying if you've got those signs in place and you think your baby is ready absolutely go for it. Brilliant advice allergies so a couple of specific ones um we've had an experience around allergies ourselves Amandine's allergic to cashew nuts pretty much identical reaction to what I saw with Joe Wicks and Indy um and she's actually been called in I mean it's taken almost a year to get her uh, allergy testing Um, it's such a long time but I mean 
there have been no other allergies, so it hasn't been a concern of ours. It's really easy to not give a cashew nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But it might be if she's allergic to cashews, it's very much linked with pistachio nuts. Oh, we haven't tried that. Interesting. So um, there's a there's a big link. When when Joe found out about Indy, um, I you know I'm not a specialist in allergies. Um, I work with other allergy dietitians who who are. But when Joe had his cashew um, incident with Indy, I did um, do a lot of research around it, and it's a big link with pistachio. So most of the time, if baby's allergic to cashew nuts, they're more likely to be allergic to pistachios too. <gasps> Is there any link with hazelnuts? Because we had a possible allergy with hazelnuts, um, but we weren't sure if it was a viral rash or hazelnut mm. rash. It's hard to tell sometimes. So difficult. Um, the trouble is, is that most children who have allergies will not just have one. Mm. So most children who have an allergy will, you know, a food allergy will likely have more than one. But, you know, I that's why I think it's really vital to try and get testing. But I know it's just it takes such a long time on the NHS, doesn't it? It does. I mean, we've got ours in a couple of weeks. But of course, with all of this going on, I'm like, yeah, is it, is it worth the risk? Do we do we yeah. go into the hospital to do this or not? I mean, I mean, the trouble is delaying it. You know, it, it's gonna you could be delaying it for another six months, a year. So I think it's good to it's good to get those tests under your under wraps as much mm. as possible. I do appreciate allergies is a is a difficult a difficult one, especially at the moment. Mm. So we have a um, one around aubergine so pureed aubergine is giving my child a rash around the mouth could it be an allergy again it's really really difficult to tell um I, as i say i don't specialize in allergies mm. but i work with um penny she's from the pediatric dietitians of chichester um and she um is a specialist in allergies she works in the nhs allergen clinic for pediatrics so she really is an absolute pro oh, she she does say that um often the rash things like rashes around the mouth often are are not necessarily an allergy it might be a skin reaction rather than an actual allergy you um normally if it's an allergy you'll see other effects as well for baby but it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily an allergy um it could be an allergy to something like aubergine but it also could be a skin reaction so i would definitely be saying try and speak to someone who specializes in the field um ultimately what you need is a test but as we've said it takes a long time to get those tests sorted so Mm. sorry there's no kind of clear-cut answers on that (laughs) this i'm going to ask you this i know you're not an expert in allergies but um you may know something that may help. Um, a lady suffers suffers allergies herself. Should she test get the baby tested before giving her baby the same thing as what she's allergic to? Um, so that's a good question. Um, research recent research suggests that. Um, for a baby to be what we call high risk of allergies, um, they are likely to have um, moderate to severe eczema, which possibly started at quite a young age and potentially an exist a pre-existing allergy. So it might be that they've got an allergy to cow's milk protein, for example. Um, so a parent or a sibling isn't necessarily going to make your child at risk. Interesting. However, if you were working with an allergy specialist, they would take that into account. So they would look at your child's overall risk of allergies. They'd also look at things like um, 
you know, your your kind of immediate family, and they would take it into account. But there's a couple of big studies recently that have um, sh- have not really ha- suggested a direct link between families having it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that your little one is at risk. Um, I would follow allergy guidelines when introducing those um, that food to your baby, which is basically introducing a tiny, a tiny amount to begin with, offer it at the beginning of the day um, and make sure there's no other new foods that day and leave a couple of days gap before trying it again. Um, if and when it's accepted, then the idea is that we need to make sure that becomes a regular part of your little one's diet because that is what can help them to actually not develop an allergy in the first place. Um, but... Having said all of that, um, a lot of the time, like Joe was, Joe Indy was not a high risk baby. She developed an allergy. I don't know if your little one was. No, high- she's not. She developed, you know, so it's so hard to tell. You can say that a baby is high risk, but actually quite a lot of the time, the babies who develop allergies are not in the high risk category at all. Mm. Um, but, but remember that only 5% roughly of babies will have any kind of food allergy at all. It's really minimal. And I do understand why we're all scared um, of, of that happening. But it is it is quite it's smaller than what we think. So I don't know if that helps. Hopefully I can absolutely send you some really helpful resources on all of this. Um, there's a there's an online fact sheet for parents that has been created by um, allergen experts, and I also have a blog on introducing allergens, so I could send those to you. Oh, and brilliant! You, I'll link. Yeah. yeah, I'll link them in the show Perfect. notes. That would be great. Um, so, what are the main allergy or allergen foods for babies? So that's a good question. I mean, cow's milk protein allergy is one of them. Um, you've also got more unusual ones like lupin and sesame seed. Um, and um, But then tree nuts and peanuts, which are different as well. You've also got fish and egg. So those are kind of the main ones. There are other ones as well. Again, celery. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Gluten, wheat. Um, but the main ones that we're quite concerned with are things like egg and peanut because they are the most common ones for young children and they sometimes can be the ones that lead to the most severe reactions um obviously you know children can be allergic to loads of other things so kiwi you know asparagus not asparagus what did we just say um aubergine Oh, um, so people can be allergic to loads of different things as well but those are the main ones i've actually got a post on my um, Instagram, which has like a, a sort of a board and it's got all of the main allergens on there. Um, but research basically shows that we should actually be trying to introduce those into baby's diet earlier rather than delaying their introduction. Um, because actually, again, this can lead to prevention of an allergen or of an allergic reaction happening in the first place. But as I said, I'm not an expert. I've just worked with experts on it and um, I find it fascinating. Mm. And I think there's a lot of question marks and a lot of unknown so (laughs) absolutely well we'll link those bits in and so if anyone's listening and wants to read up on it more than they can Um, okay so a couple of questions around digestion Um, Mm -hmm. so obviously (laughs) diapers change a lot when you start weaning don't they (laughs) (laughs) so a question here from a mum who's seeing whole seeds in the nappy especially chia seeds is that normal Yes, that absolutely can be normal. Um, first of all, yes, babies' um, nappies will change so much when you start introducing foods. They'll start to become more reflective of what baby is eating. Um, at the start of weaning, when baby is sort of just getting used to this whole process, their digestive system is still going 
where's that milk gone, you know? How, how, and it's now having to deal with much more complex ingredients and foods. So sometimes you will see some of those foods come out whole and that's okay, you know, that's not a problem. Um, you can help with that in terms of, you know, processing it a little bit more. So um, seeds, um, you could grind them up a little bit so that they are more easily digested by your baby. Um, if you're noticing things, I'm trying to think what people often say to me, certain foods that kind of come out in baby's nappy hole and I can't think of the top of my head. Like, Dean normally struggles with um, digesting lentils, it seems. She really struggles with the lentils. Really, yeah, mm. that, again, that can happen absolutely. And certainly um, early on in weaning journey, I would say make sure you introduce those things like beans and lentils and pulses. You introduce them quite gradually. So start mm. with small amounts and build up on the amount that you offer. Um uh, but but you can absolutely help your baby with that kind of processing mechanism by helping to process them before. So that's, again, why another reason why mashing food can work really well. Let's take, for example, peas. Sometimes people say they come out whole. Um, seeds that we've talked about, grind them up a little bit, mash them up a little bit. Just help baby with that processing a little bit um, to give their, you know. But, but as I said, there's no ne- not necessarily any harm of offering them. Um, it's just that sometimes it takes a little time and, and you know, th- the digestive system is learning as we go through that weaning journey. So you can give a little bit of a helping hand or if you want to, you can just not, you know, give it a few weeks, months and try that food again and see if, if it's if it's better as well. So we're going to move on to dairy milk type questions of which yep. I know you've done some brilliant posts on your Instagram about alternative milks and how much should be drinking because I've read them over and over and over again. Oh, <laughs> Such a field though and it's, I definitely would say that milk is one of the biggest things I get asked questions about without a doubt. Yeah. So first question, what age can you introduce non-dairy cheese as baby has cmpa and soy allergies okay so um if your baby has um allergies i would definitely be trying to speak to whoever is your healthcare professional who's diagnosed those allergies and get support this happens a lot of the time parents will come to me and they'll say um my my little one's been let's for example my little one's been told to wean early but and what should i wean with and, you know, if you're under the care of someone who is a dietitian, a pediatrician, um, a GP, and they've recommended that, they should be giving you support with going forward with that. So mm-hmm. if you've got a little one who's got soya and CMPA allergy, ask the specialist to give you some advice, um, first and foremost. Second of all, absolutely, you can start to introduce dairy alternatives into baby's diet from around six months of age. So you can start to offer them in small amounts. I would say as much as you can try and choose unsweetened plain varieties and fortified options where possible um, there aren't huge numbers of these and sometimes it's a scoping exercise to try and work out what works um, but as much you can absolutely include those into your little one's diet remember they'll be getting most of their calcium from their breast or formula milk so they don't need huge amounts of those in the diet but a little bit here and there is absolutely fine from six months hopefully that helps <laughs> absolutely um baby won't take cow's milk uh she does mum does give cheese and yogurt but is oatly barista okay twice a day do you have any idea how old baby is no no so it's really difficult to say without um knowing how old baby is um if your baby is under one 
then I would be saying that their main milk needs to be formula milk or breast milk. Okay, so um, full fat cow's milk it shouldn't be introduced as a whole drink until baby is one year. Once they get to one, if they're on formula milk, you can absolutely switch to full fat cow's milk if you want to. Um, but if your little one is not taking it, that's don't worry too much. You can carry on with normal milk if you want to. Obviously, you can carry on breastfeeding till two years and beyond. You can also add cow's milk into baby's food. So, for example, if you're offering, um, let's say, Weetabix or porridge in the morning and baby's got some milk in that, that counts towards their milk intake. Um, and if they're having cheese and yogurt and cow's milk in food, then that's absolutely fine. You know, around three portions a day after one is what we want. But yes, you could absolutely give a glass or two glasses of, of Oatly Barista or oat, oat milk that's fortified with nutrients if you wanted to as well. Sorry, that's probably a long-winded way of answering that. But um, it's really difficult because, as I say, it depends on the age. It depends on what's going on with baby. Um, but yeah, ultimately, after one, around three portions of dairy baby needs a day. If they're not drinking much milk... Add that milk and dairy into foods and you'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> and Charlotte has done a brilliant post on comparing the alternative milks, which yeah. I looked at and brilliant. Um, so oh, do go and have a look at that post. Okay, I'm literally your number one fan. So. <laughs> I love it. It's good to have people who are like reading and taking the blogs in because, you know, I spend so much time writing them. So it's really nice to know they are read. Thank oh, you. Oh, they are. They really are. More than once. Okay, so um, I'd like to stop breastfeeding after 12 months. Do I replace feeds with solids or a different milk? And this was actually something that I remember thinking when I was wanting to stop around 14 months. Um, and the advice is so kind of all over the place of yeah. how much milk should I be giving? Should I be giving milk? What if they don't want it anymore? And, you know, should I be replacing it? It's really confusing. It is really difficult. And it's one of the reasons why I've done my blog, which is which is t titled Milk Recommendations. And it literally talks you through like which age and what's recommended as you go along. Um, so after your baby is one year of age, if you are stopping breastfeeding, you don't want to breastfeed baby anymore. Um, then ideally, it's good idea. You know, we normally say that around about 400 mils of milk a day is all that baby needs. So they actually don't need huge amounts. What I would say is let's say you broke that down into... 150 mil glass in the morning, 150 mil glass in the evening, and then they had some dairy in their foods throughout the day. That's all you need. So really, it's about thinking um, you, you don't have to you know, be exactly on 400 mils every day if they're having other sources of dairy. Um, milk that you add in baby's foods also counts. So I would be saying stick with your baby's usual routine um, and just maybe add in a couple of glasses of milk along with everything else that they are they are having during the day. Hopefully that kind of answers it. Mm, brilliant. I mean, we put a ton of milk in Almadine's porridge and then that's a good kind of amount. Yeah. People forget. Already. People forget about that. And I, mm. I do try to say so many parents are really, really worried about their baby's milk intake. And, you know, actually there's quite a significant amount that you use in porridge. Mm. So especially if babies have quite milky porridge or if they have a lot of porridge in the morning, they're having quite a substantial amount of milk. That's definitely going to count towards a portion. And if they're having, you know, some cheese grated on things, cheese is a really great source of calcium. So even a small amount of cheese goes a really long way. Mm. Um, and then again, you know, most babies are big fans of yogurt. So if they're having a couple of do dollops of yogurt, in food as a dip on the side you know our four puddings um then you know you're you're absolutely winning there and you don't need to worry too much um especially for babies over one so hopefully that helps 
I'm surprised my daughter doesn't look like a slice of cheese or a bowl of yogurt. She eats <laughs> so much of it. My husband's French, so literally there is cheese at every single <laughs> meal. God, you're so lucky she's not allergic to that because but we're really not sure with Rafi at the moment. We've we've been testing him for a dairy allergy for about six months. And it's so impossible to tell. Mm-hmm. It's so impossible to know whether he actually is allergic. So we take it out of his diet and then we think, oh, I think that's cleared up. And then we reintroduce it. And then there's always something else that's different. And we're like, oh, yeah, but he also had this. And, oh, he's also been doing this. And he's also unwell. And it's so blooming hard to tell. So he loves cheese and he has tiny amounts of it at the moment but we're still not sure whether he's got a bit of an allergy to it but there we go (laughs) what would you be looking for if you thought they had an allergy to milk so definitely um, I mean definitely with Rafi what we noticed was first of all there actually was change sometimes changes in behavior so then being a bit more lethargic and tired and stroppy um, but also he had a rash which would come up um, and and then really really loose nappies and lots of sort of um uh, sort of farting and things like that and, and but as I said we we really struggle to be able to work out because Rafi has lots of beans and lentils mm. and he has fiber in his diet so it's so hard to kind of hone it down to one thing and I think where my husband and I are so busy as well with work it's it's almost you know often there's other people looking after him he's at nursery we have no idea really what's gone on sort of day to day and also you know Rafi eats so much fruit so sometimes I'm like it might be that he's just had a whole apple and you know so um even if you know I've really struggled to work out what it is and this is working with like absolute pros in the allergy field as well so so um, those are the kinds of things that I would be looking out for, though. Because <laughs> that does sound difficult. <laughs> um, okay, so um, quick one, seeing as we're on liquids, how much water a day should I be aiming for with a 40-month-old? I don't think they're drinking enough. Okay, so for children under one, we normally just say sips of water with a meal, so they don't need to worry too much. But, you know, gradually building on how much they have. Um, I have done a blog all about water for babies um I'm just trying to think off the top of my head I think I think it's about two to three small cups of water a day for a baby over one um I think you have you have to uh, bear with me because I can't remember exactly what it is but I have got a blog all about it I'll link um, that one as well then I'll link that blog you. too um, but ultimately, it's about remembering that if, if baby's still having a fair amount of milk and is still breastfeeding, they're probably going to be getting most of their hydration through that. So ideally, it's really about getting baby used to having sips of water with meals. So offering a, a small cup of water at each meal. So that's one, two, three a day, potentially. And then especially if in hot weather or they're really active, you might want to offer a little bit more on top of that. Um, but, you know, try it's most of the time we always think like babies aren't high you know aren't getting enough of this that and the other but if they've got plenty of wet nappies or they're weeing enough um if they um are seemingly active and and quite you know skin's fine it's not sallow not super dry um they're probably fine but as i said offer those drinks with meals and remember that breast or formula milk will still probably make up a big chunk of their fluid intakes um and then um and then, yeah, offer a little bit extra if you feel like baby needs it. I mean, to be honest, Rafi drinks quite a small amount during the day. And then at bed at night, he has a cup of water on the side of his bed that he drinks. Um, he, he sort of helps himself to through the night. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so good. Um, Okay, so a few food-specific questions. Um, This one's around eggs. How many eggs can you give a baby a day slash a toddler a day? Oh, gosh, yeah. I get asked this all the time. It's so funny. This is one of the ones that I get asked a lot, and I'm like, I've got a blog all about eggs. Um, But people are worried about this. I think there was a lot of kind of scaremongering about eggs maybe like 10 years ago, and so we've all sort of got this idea that we'll need to be really careful. Ultimately, there's no limit on how many eggs babies can or should have, and the same for us as adults. But as I said at the very start, it all comes back to variety. Mm-hmm. So it's all about getting that variety in. Um, you know, if your little one is having egg as their protein source every single day or twice a day, I'd probably be saying it's a good idea to vary that up because, yes, eggs are very nutrient-rich food. I know they're so easy and so convenient. But if that's their only protein source during the day, then I'd be saying look at things like fish and meat and beans and lentils, pulses, nut butters, um, you know, crushed seeds, all of those other things that you could be um, having kind of to, to, to offer that variety to baby. But absolutely don't, you know, if, if you're making a omelette two two eggs is absolutely fine for babies and toddlers you know not a problem it's not going to cause any any ill health it's just thinking about variety can we give tinned fish to baby and which fish is best Yes, you absolutely can give tin fish. Um, ideally, tin fish will be tinned in water and not in brine because brine has added salt. And tin fish is quite salty as it is anyway, but it is a very easy and convenient way of getting um, fish into baby's diets. Tin fish is fine. So as I said, choose, just choose one that's not got added salt. Um, and again, variety, you know, what what works um, for you, you know, tinned mackerel, tinned sardines, tinned salmon, often they are cooked in the tin, which means the bones are super, super soft in them. But, you know, ideally for younger babies, if you can um, try and minimize any any bones that are in there, but all of those foods are fine. So as I said, mackerel, sardines, um, tinned tuna, tinned salmon, those are the ones that we probably have most regularly. So you just mentioned salt. So can we touch on this just for a moment as there's a question around this. Um, The question is kind of salt in baby's food and um, when to start adding it, which from my knowledge, we shouldn't necessarily be adding it at all ever or for as long as possible anyway. There's, there's absolutely no need to start adding salt into baby's diet. Um, you know, most of us in the UK get too much salt. And it's one of the reasons why we have high, you know, high risks of, you know, high blood pressure and and, um, and things like that. So basically, I would be saying try and avoid adding salt to your baby's food at all. They've got small little kidneys. And also 75% of the salt that we get comes already added in our food, in our bread, mm. in our breakfast cereal, in our sauces. So actually, babies will still be getting salt in their diet. And it's very, very hard to reach those um to reach the kind of recommendation which is under one gram of salt a day for young children and then it's something like one to two for slightly older children um it's very hard i mean that's that's a a a teaspoon is about 4.2 grams of salt so it's it's like half a teaspoon and under for young babies so it really really do not need any salt added to their diet and um again it's all about the kind of palate developing you don't want them to um start getting a taste for salty foods because then other foods and other flavored foods are not going to be quite as good it's very hard to avoid having salt at all in baby's diet but i would absolutely say to try and avoid adding salt to their food at all if possible Mm. 
We find, well, my husband loves salt and sometimes I'll see him cooking. So we, we try and all eat together and all eat the same thing. Yeah, and I'll that's... notice him putting some salt in. I'll be like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like, it's like my mum. My mum is absolutely obsessed with salt. She loves it. Every meal without fail will have added salt in it. Mm. And she she's the same for Rafi. She's like, oh, oh, yeah, I did add salt into it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, but, you know, small, I think there's another thing to beat ourselves up about, isn't it? So it's important not to beat ourselves up. And again, Joe takes a really great approach with this, you know, every now and then, if you, if they have a meal that's quite salty, it's not the end of the world. It's about what you're doing with your little ones the majority of the time. So mm-hmm. if most of their meals have no added salt, if most of their meals are, you know, cooked by you and you know there's not anything in them, then when you eat out, if they're going to get a little bit of salt in their milk, it's not the end of the world it's just about what's happening the majority of the time but yeah my mom is exactly the same she is well everything has salt added to it and she'll make something and she'll be like she'll just automatically put salt and pepper in and I'll think I'm I'm trying to create a recipe here and it doesn't it doesn't need salt and pepper don't put that in but it's just like automatic to her so yeah uh, Hendrix exactly the same um okay so eating as a family like as I as I just mentioned I think that was one of the first tips I took from you is always try and sit down we have our dinner so early we eat dinner at like 5 30 but we we like eating really early so it's fine for us Um, I think some people really struggle with that early early time but I often say just even if you just have a small portion mm. with your baby you eat your proper meal later that's absolutely fine to do um but yeah we do now especially in isolation at the moment we're having dinner at 5 30 we're all together with Raf and it is quite nice I have to say it's lovely isn't it although I do find myself like once bedtime's over sitting and watching tv yeah. and eating like an entire yeah. bag of yeah. chocolate or something because dinner so was true. ages ago <laughs> so 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 true that is the problem of eating early definitely <laughs> So a question around that, um, my one-year-old, how to get my one-year-old to eat slowly because everything that she puts in front of him, he just shovels into his mouth as fast as possible. Yes, that's a that's a really, really common complaint as well. And it, and to be honest, it's often a phase and it's kind of a learning process, but there definitely are some things I'd suggest. So first of all, role model. Let your little one see you eating, the pace of you eating. Really overemphasize that sort of num, num, num. It, You sound silly and you look like a fool, but actually that helped Rafi so much to learn sort of how to do that biting and chewing and, and putting things in slowly. So role model, role model, role model, because they will learn from watching you eat your foods, how to eat them themselves. Um, The second thing I would say is, depending on the age of baby, you can try um, offering food in different ways. So, and sometimes there's kind of either way work. Sometimes having all of the foods on the plate can work really well because sometimes babies shovel food in because they're like, right, I want to get to what's next. So sometimes having it all together so baby can slow the pace of that meal by going, okay, it's all here. It's not going anywhere. Um, and then the other thing is sometimes chopping it up a little bit smaller. So baby has to kind of use the pincer grip to put it in their mouth, offering a variety of different textures. So some bits off the spoon, some bits they're kind of self-feeding themselves. So again, you're slowing the pace of that meal. And even sometimes it might be offering less on the plate. Um, 
because sometimes babies will be overwhelmed with having loads on the plate and actually if you give them smaller amounts and then maybe bring a little bit more out that can help so it really varies sometimes it's trial and error but just remember it's probably just a phase and I would absolutely say the main thing is the role modeling Mm. we really struggle with Amaldine with pasta and things she just does not chew pasta it just kind of goes down in one and we chop it up really small because we're aware of this but then my concern is if I keep chopping it will she ever get used to chewing the pasta well, you know, if as long as they're chewing other things, as long as they've got plenty of other finger foods and plenty of other opportunity, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, as long as they're having a variety of foods, a variety of textures, you don't need to worry about what you're necessarily doing with one food. Um, but yet, do you know what? Rafi's the same. He has spaghetti and he just goes, <laughs> oh, no chewing, straight down. I'm like, how has that just gone all the way to your stomach? Um, but, I totally get that. I think especially with food they like, they do tend to kind of guzzle a little bit more and inhale. Um, but again, it's just that, you know, role modelling, num, 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 look, mummy's chewing it. Look at the way mummy chews it, you know, kind of really trying to reinforce that. But yeah, I absolutely wouldn't worry if you're chopping something small because they're going to be able to get used to the, the texture of, of other things and chewing. And if they can chew bread well and, you know, all those other things, then yeah, you don't, you, I wouldn't worry about it. We do find with bread that it does, she does choke on it a little bit. So we do try and toast it a little bit to start with. Um, But she does like her food chopped up. It's so funny. She's such a little princess. She likes her food chopped (laughs) up. She likes individual little pieces. She's not a fan of grabbing it and then ripping it. Oh really? So See, Rafi's funny. funny. He loves um, he loves a, a good old buffet spread. Like honestly, it's his dream. If you give him a, a whole load of different foods, and that whether that's like sweet, savory dips, he it's like his eyes light up, and he's like, oh my god, all this choice. And he'll just he'll just like pick. It. And sometimes I find he'll he'll have like a piece of banana bread, and then he'll have like broccoli straight after. Or like last night, for example, what did we have? We had um, oh that was it. I'd made some flapjacks, so he had some flapjacks. And then he ate this flapjack and was like, is there any more? And I was like, I'm sorry, there's no more. And so he just went to the leftovers of his pasta and just started eating that. I mean, he just loves it. He doesn't, he doesn't have a, a preconceived idea of, you know, sweet comes after saviour or anything. You just go yeah. for it. So Amaldine's the same. She was dipping melon in tomato sauce left from her pasta. <laughs> I was like, that must be gross. Yeah, I love it. I've had similar things. Brilliant. <laughs> okay so um a couple these are a few last questions actually yeah. um language around oh no sorry a bit more eating around family um how do you deal with temper tantrums around new foods do you offer alternatives or do you just let them get on with it uh, well, you know, first of all, it depends on whether this is happening all the time. It's very, very common for um, children, especially between kind of two and four, to go through a period of neophobia where new foods are just, you know, they don't want to try it because children like what they're familiar with. So first of all, I'd say it's really normal and it's very common. Um You can try offering new foods alongside or, you know, existing foods that are accepted. Um I'd say don't make a fuss. Don't draw attention to the fact that it's a new food. I can't tell you the number of times I hear and see parents putting food down and going, now I know you've not tried this before. And it's like straight away they're going to be like, alarm bells, alarm bells. So don't make any big deal of it. Pop it down next to them. Offer it alongside food that they have already had before. Eat it yourself as a family. Um, If they don't want it, that's fine. Don't eat that bit then. 
eat something else. That's absolutely fine. Um, and if it comes to, if it's the whole meal that there's like, you know, a whole meal you've presented them and they're like, oh my God, I don't know what this is. I don't want it. That's okay. You know, I think reassuring them that it's okay. They don't have to eat it if they don't want it. Telling them that you're going to eat it because you really like it and you find it delicious is another way of that kind of positive reinforcement. Um, but absolutely, I wouldn't be saying offer an alternative. If you offer an alternative, all you're doing is suggesting that that food isn't okay to eat. So we're going to give you something else that you do want. And you can get yourself stuck in such a rut with doing that. Um, and I speak to parents all the time who say my kid will eat five things. And it's often because they've given alternatives mealtime after mealtime after mealtime. And so now that child's just like, nope, 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 give me those five things that I want. And that's it. Mm. Um, so the more that you don't engage in that and you just say, that's fine. If you don't want it, that's okay. But mommy's going to eat it because I'm really enjoying it. And if you don't want it, then daddy maybe will have your portion or whatever. Or you could say, you know, okay, that's fine. If you don't want it now, maybe we'll try it again later. And if you don't want it later, then daddy will eat it. Um, not offering alternative is ideal. I know that's not what everyone wants to hear, but I promise you in the long run, you'll thank me. (laughs) (laughs) And what about for those parents who are concerned that their kids are going to go to bed hungry if they don't offer an alternative? So again, this depends on the age, it depends on the routine, it depends on the structure of what, what's going on in the day. Um, first of all, I'd say children normally have multiple opportunities to eat. So they have breakfast, lunch and dinner. After one, they normally have snacks included as well sometimes. Sometimes they have pudding, sometimes they have milk. Like there's so many opportunities to eat during the day. And I'm not saying that every child needs all of that mm. um, because that is a lot. I mean, pudding, snacks, meals, um, milk. I don't eat that much. You know, I don't eat that many occasions, but children often have multiple opportunities. So make sure you've got a nice routine in there. Um, if you're finding it's happening regularly with meal times, you could think about having a small snack introduced regularly before bed. So for example, it might be that you introduce something like a few cheese and crackers before you go upstairs and do bath time. And that way you help to kind of negate, you know, stop baby getting too hungry, but you're not replacing the meal. As long as you're doing it regularly, it's happening all the time. That's something that I say you could absolutely do. Um, Um, And also some babies still have a glass of milk before they go to bed. So hopefully that might help. Um, But ultimately, you know, we want this to be just a short lived thing. We don't want babies to be refusing their meal every single night. And the way of doing that is by practicing all the things that I normally recommend and not offering alternatives. If you offer an alternative, you're making a bit of a rod for your own back because, yes, your baby might get full and might sleep better that night. But actually, um, in the long run, it, it might not be the best thing to do, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Are you okay to fire through these last three questions? Because I know yeah. we have reached two yeah, o'clock. Fine, no problem, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, food throwing. Do you have any advice for food throwing? <laughs> yes. And first of all, common phase, try not to let it stress you out. Um, definitely, the, the main things I'd say with this is, number one, don't overly draw attention to it. So often we will say, don't do that and blah, 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 and loads of attention. Babies love attention. It's the same with food refusal. The more we give them attention for doing it, the more that behavior will be prolonged. So don't overly draw attention. I would say, yes, absolutely let them know that that's not okay. So maybe you pick the food off the floor. That's not what we do with food. Um, Let them know. Um, The other thing is role model. So show them this is not what we do. This is what we do with food. We eat it. So if you're not eating with them, sometimes they can get bored or want attention with you. And again, that's when the food throwing starts. Um, 
Number three, I would say you can introduce, one of my favorites is introducing a little side plate. And we say, look, that's absolutely fine if you don't want that food. I appreciate it. Don't pop it on the floor. Just pop it up, pop it up here um, on this plate. This is for your, you know, and this is, you know, even if this is babies, you can still communicate this to them by saying, if you don't want it, put it on this plate, you know, signing to them, showing them and helping them to understand this is the unwanted food plate. And that can help to stop them from throwing it on the floor. And then lastly, you know, you know, you can invest in some of those kind of splash mats that go underneath the high chair so that if your little one is throwing it on the floor, you can still pick it back up and pop it on their plate um, for them to eat. Because, you know, obviously, sometimes people worry about food waste. So those are things I'd say, but remember, it's a phase and just don't overly draw attention to it. Absolutely is the key. Okay. Um, when to start feeding baby adult meals so they can share the same dinner as you, essentially? Um, so when to start having adult meals with babies? Mm, so I, I assume she means, like, I mean, we kind of do it. We've kind of done it from the beginning. Like, we yeah. would just... Have your meal. Have our oh, meal and then break out the bits that Amandine would like, essentially. That's, that's perfect. So I would say... Um, right from the start you can start to give your baby you know yes at the beginning you might do some um you know you might blend up purees and you might offer finger foods alongside that but make it part of your meal like Mm -hmm. if you're having broccoli that day then that's what's on the menu for baby if you're the next day got some i don't know spinach with your meal then again that's what baby maybe can have and once baby is established on three meals a day i would definitely be saying you we want to be thinking more about mini meals so the kinds of things you're having as adults without salt and sugar maybe you might need to still alter that texture um but you can definitely start with kind of mini adult meals i always say once baby's on three meals a day and is getting quite competent you want to think about balancing so things like let's say lasagna that's well chopped or well minced up or um you know spaghetti bolognese again well chopped up or minced up if you want to mince it up um those are absolutely fine to start giving from baby, you know, from a really young age. Um, but just you need to develop those textures. And certainly when baby is nine to 10 months of age, I would be saying we need to start if they're not already, we need to start moving them towards those kind of adult meals um, and varying those textures up a lot more. Mm. I remember giving Amandine, uh, she used to love it. And I don't know what's going on. She doesn't love it anymore. But I used to give her a sweet potato curry, which she really, really oh, enjoyed. And it was good. easy to mash up. It was really easy for her and she loved it. But she won't touch it now. So I don't know what's going on. So typical. Don't give up. Because you know, I've had that so many times with Raph. Like, but that sounds amazing. Oh, love the sound of that sweet potato curry. Right it up. was yummy. It was yummy. Okay, last question. Your okay. thoughts on chocolate? Ooh, tough one to finish. <laughs> um, basically, um, young young babies, it's ideally they shouldn't have added sugar and added salt and foods that contain them in the diet. So certainly not before one. Um, I have to say I experimented quite a bit with Rafi in that I didn't give him any of that kind of food really, like maybe a tiny bit here and there until he was about two years of age. And the reason why I didn't was because I know there's a huge amount of research looking at the first thousand days of life, which takes a child up to two, which shows how significant that time is. Now, I'm not saying that if you've given your little one those foods before, um, that it's, you know, detrimental, but you know, they are developing their patterns of eating very young. And if we start to introduce those foods, I can't tell you the amount of times when those foods have been introduced. And then baby's like, no, 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 why do I want this broccoli? Like Mm. chocolate or broccoli? 
I'm going to go with broccoli. But actually, if you help babies to sort of really be exposed to all of the kind of flavorful foods that are more natural in the diet, um, you know, I'm using natural because there's no other terminology really, um, it can it could just help to broaden their palate and make sure that they have a love for all foods. Um, chocolate, absolutely fine. And certainly once baby gets to two, I would say it's really good to, to have that kind of moderation and balance and not have them overly restricted. Mm. If you overly restrict them, they're only going to make those foods more desirable. So if someone brings round chocolate, if there is some in the house, if Rafi sees someone else eating it, I will always let him have some. Yes, I might moderate how much um, and how often he's exposed to that. Um, but absolutely he will have that and he will enjoy it um you know so it's absolutely fine but it and it has to be kind of part of that part of the diet because they are going to be exposed to it and if they're only ever exposed to it when um you know when there are parties and celebratory events they were always going to associate that with the fun and amazing time mm. so having it every now and then you know randomly is absolutely fine to do but I would just say it's different for every single parent and people handle this really differently and it, you know go with what works for you um, but I think it's important not to overly restrict it's important to try and make sure that it is moderated in their diet though and I would say try and leave it as long as you can before their awareness of those foods really kick in that would be I guess my my main tip I ask because I frequently walk into my husband in the kitchen by the goodies cupboard giving Amandine like the teeniest tiniest bit of chocolate and there I am going what are you doing she has all this good natural food and you're giving her chocolate <laughs> well the thing is as long as it doesn't affect her kind of appetite and love of those foods and as long as it's not becoming you know I had this conversation actually with Joe recently because he was talking about Indy and how he, you know there's some things that are starting to become routine so she's starting to expect them at certain times and I think that's when you've got a bit of danger when they're like oh no it's pudding now so now I need to have some chocolate because it's pudding and, and that's what I have every day but that's um, what I'm like exactly. I know <laughs> I know after dinner it's like where's my sweet stuff but um, you know I think that kind of when it becomes the habit habitual almost is when it can be a problem so sporadically giving it when they don't really know it or expect it I think it's a much better way of, of kind of encouraging that moderation and not overly restricting if that makes sense mm -hmm. it absolutely does Charlotte thank you so much you. for coming on the podcast and joining us and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom we will link your blog post will link your Instagram. Make sure everyone can see your content, which is just brilliant. Oh, um, but thank you thank very you. much for giving me your time today. Thank you so much for listening. I know from my own experience of weaning that that chat will have been incredibly helpful to you if you're on this journey right now please please let us know if you are listening i love hearing from you tag us on instagram and a huge thank you to those of you who have rated and reviewed mum talk if you haven't yet please leave us a five star rating and subscribe i don't ask this very often but especially at the start of a new series it makes a huge huge difference and makes the podcast more noticeable to parents who may find it helpful too and there is so much helpful information on here now so many fantastic experts and guests sharing their experience sharing their knowledge I really want to help as many mums parents carers as I possibly can tune in next week for a hilarious chat with Tova Lee author of Fucked at 40 if you haven't yet read it I recommend you do it's really good all right I will see you next week
Lots of love. Have a great week.